Welcome to episode 15 of the Permaculture Pimpcast. The only Pimpcast out there where we discuss permaculture from a pragmatic point of view. How you doing, son? Good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm glad to be here. But for the first time ever, somebody is in this studio that isn't a dog. Yeah, <laughs> busting in yeah. during the yeah, podcast. Yeah, little hood rat dog of your mom's <laughs> comes rolling up in here to tell us Milk Boy came home. Which, by the way, yeah, he's not. He's probably not going to ever do that again. Hey, if you're listening to us, folks, be sure to check out the Fountain app. Yeah, there's surprisingly quite a few of y'all uh, watching on here. Wow, that's really awesome. So we're listening. I guess. Check us through there. Tip a pimp. You know what yeah, time it is? Yeah, there's a lot of people that use that hashtag. Tip a pimp. Really? Yeah. Is that from your interview with yeah. Jack? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> there's a lot of people in there saying that tip a pimp. There's actually a question in here. Really? Yeah. Okay, we'll have to get... Make sure you save that one at the right. top of the yeah. uh, memory. We'll put you at the top of the Q&A. We're still trying to work out some of this tech, but we're doing the best we can, and it's coming around. All right, y'all, tip of the day, don't pass up on free trees. What do I mean by that? Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were at the Homestead Life Conference, Homesteading Life Conference with uh, Doug and Stacy. Met a lot of wonderful people, a lot of you probably listening to this right now. And... Uh, Stark Brothers was out there and they, you know, I, I basically worked out a conversation with them and frankly, hopefully working out a deal with them. I'll talk about more of that in the future if it pans out. In fact, before the, we started broadcasting, I literally just got finished sending an email to them. So I'll let you know what that turns into. It's actually going to be concerning some other stuff. Anyway, they gave me a fig out there. And at uh, the conference in Missouri. Yeah. 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 They gave me a fig. They had a number of trees out there and they had those easy grow pots. I mean, really good stuff. Great idea. Air pruning the whole nine yards. Look, y'all, I was even checking out uh, the black blacks uh, tropical homestead and they were coming home with a ton of trees. Look, y'all, I know the best time and we've talked about it at nauseum. The best time of the year to plant trees is always going to be in the fall for the most part. But for crying out loud, I don't care if it's the middle of summer. I don't care when it is. Don't pass up on a tree just because it isn't the perfect time of year. If somebody gives it to you in the dead of summer, if you're, I mean, or if it's, it's next to nothing, like homesteading pastor, he and his wife come across, uh, I can't, I can't remember how many trees. It was trees. a bunch of like $5 trees yeah. from Walmart or something like that. Think about this, folks. If you just have, let's say in the middle of summer, somebody gave you a bunch of peach trees, right? And um, all of a sudden those peaches, you know, let's say it was 20 of them. If only one of them for five bucks a piece took root, became a tree, gave you fruit, is it worth it? Yeah. So if you come across a crazy deal like that, all you need is just one to take root. The odds of all 20 dying, well, are pretty slim. I mean, even if you lost a third, you're still money ahead. 80% survival rate is pretty good for like uh, landscaping um, standards and stuff like that. So an 80% survival rate is typically what you can expect, especially if you put in the practices that we teach you on YouTube. Right. And what do you think our survival rate so far is for the trees we put in? I'd say well, it, it, it's pretty darn high. We, yeah, it is really, really high, but we also don't give them any attention after, after we install them. I mean, we prune them, you or you prune them, and then, and then we just kind of leave it for the well, most Well, we part. give them the best life possible. Yeah. You know, we, we add all that stuff. We don't just put them in ground. We plant them right. There's a way to do it. There's a good way to do it. And we're going to be teaching that coming up real soon at the Self-Reliance Festival. Actually, the uh, swale, it's going to be part two of the swale workshop. We put yeah. in the swale. We put in the cover crop. Now what are we going to do, son? We're going to go ahead and plant the trees and as much of the guild as we can. Um, depends on what we can get access to in this time of the year, uh, which is weird that you can get trees in the fall, but all the support species in early spring and stuff like that. But yeah, that's what we're going to do at that next class. And if you missed out on the swale workshop, you, you're kind of getting a two for one without yeah. going into too much yeah. swale. I'm sure we'll answer questions on swales while we're there. Well, and like you said before, really, at a lot of these festivals, man, it turns out we give a lot of de facto uh, consultations that we didn't know about. Yeah, you're you're basically getting free consultations 
at these festivals. Man, we need to set up that. a se- separate booth. I know, man. We're like, okay, consultations like that thing on yeah. uh, Charlie Brown, you know. You yeah. got a complaint department or whatever. Yeah, you won't be kicking any footballs out from underneath us. All right, y'all. There's the complaint department. Yeah. (laughs) Um, From uh, Hacks for the Homesteader. Yeah, there you go. We'll send them all to him. Um, Oh, farm news. Yep. Um, yep. We're getting rice knives. Those are getting squared away. Those should be out before too long. Oh, yeah. You've been working on those all day. If there's a particular color you guys are wanting to see or a seasonal color, I mean, just give us some ideas down in the comments. Yeah, I think that'd be the best way to go about it. I mean, we can't custom make every single no, one of those. No, 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 Man, I thought you were about to open up Pandora's box. No, not box. at all. No, I'm not doing custom rice Man, knives. Man, you'll I'm have just little saying. girls like Charlotte out here. I want my polka dot pink. Yeah. And then your mom, uh, man, there ain't Guys, no telling what would happen. I'm a farmer. <laughs> so let's, let's <laughs> you get primary colors. colors, Jack. You get an undercolor and an overcolor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's also retooling the handles to make them actually where they fit your hand instead of, you know. It, yeah, it's the, a, yeah. It's a lot of work, but he's getting it done. So anyway, we, we ought to have that at the website. And also, like always, this this show brought to you by Bone Sauce and Comfrey yep. and all that good stuff. So um, hopefully everybody. Hey, I also want to thank you. If you got those questions, remember, hit me up at Billy at PermaPasturesFarm.com. Uh, we're going to cover a lot of those. And I want to thank you all for all the votes of confidence. Apparently, a great number of people out there. Fun. Son, one guy said he about put went in a ditch with some of the stuff we said. I can't imagine what that might have been. But. Well, the, the comments on Fountain are pretty similar. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, guys, if you guys asked a question uh, somewhere on the comments on Fountain, Ask it again if you could, because uh, I didn't realize people were asking questions through Fountain. Okay. Back we to do that. have a couple, though. Well, back to that farm news. Um, check this out, y'all. One thing we're going to try to do in addition to all the other things we do around here, and it's it's a lot, and it's a lot of work, but we enjoy it. It's a labor of love. We're going to try to put these out twice a week, son. Is that the case? We're going to try yeah. to shoot for what, Monday and Friday? Well, yeah, we're going to try. Uh, no. Tuesday and Friday? Tuesday, Saturday? I thought it was, today's Thursday. Yeah. I thought it was Tuesday and Thursday. Okay, well, I guess, yeah, we missed Tuesday, so it'll be Tuesday and Thursday. We'll work it out, the but best it's going to be can. twice a week. You right. know? Yeah, so that's exactly why we didn't have an earlier episode. We've been up to our eyeballs, and you name everything, you know, cussing out people at Lowe's, um, all kinds <laughs> that, of crazy. Yeah, Dad was hitting on people at Lowe's. <laughs> nah, man. No, nah, don't even try it. We, we're not, <laughs> that ain't even funny. But as far as farm news goes, <laughs> yeah, son, it ain't that funny. It is but, funny. Y'all will see. <laughs> no. Now, anyway, the um, tomorrow, well, not tomorrow, but yeah, tomorrow we are actually going to harvest one pig for right. uh, Jason from So the Land's coming out on Monday. We're going to try to do a comprehensive video and I can't think of a better vid- videographer than Jason to yeah. come out here and set this thing up. So he's he's going to try to do something that's worthwhile. And then if you guys just heard that dog bark in the background, that's Mom's Unruly Heathen, yeah. the same one that busted in last time. Yeah, why don't you put that little dog in doggy jail, which oh, she just walked out to go do. So she's actually out there, puppy, 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 yeah. puppy. I guarantee you she's whispering to the dog right now. So some other farm news, son. What do you got? I got the um, pigs. I covered the pigs. Well, Man, the chickens, we just got them. Yeah, food the pigs, I was going to mention that uh, pull behind cooler that Jason has. That thing is awesome. Yeah, That thing man. is really cool. That is a great, great idea. And folks, just stay tuned. If we did it with that one covered trailer we had, we could almost like hang the pigs like long, like, could, uh, but like the lengthways. On, yeah, the only downside like is... Like up and down. Well, the downside to that is um, it, it's a single-use item. And we just don't have right. space for things like that. I mean, you kind of need to dedicate it for that. You can't exactly move somebody's house with that thing. So that's one of the downsides. Yeah. Um, got a whole lot going out there. We've got a whole lot of harvest. Things are coming through. Mom's Kushaw squash, the uh, Trombachinos. Yeah, those got, are coming in. Tomatoes are still coming in. We still have strawberries coming in here and there. Wow. I got um, down on the stove right now. I got a whole pot full of tomatoes. I'm turning into sauce. And I'm going to have to get that done. But, man, it's just, look, folks, anybody new to this life or considering it, listen, the more and more you do this, you better love it. I mean, you absolutely positively better love it because I guarantee you that when you do this work, you're going to, if to be successful at it, to do it properly, especially this time of year, it is going to require a great deal from you. So, Anybody considering farm life, I know it seems idyllic and, you know, beautiful scenery, animals everywhere, all this and that. 
there are, from time to time, there are tragedies. From time to time, there are, you know, enormous happy moments. And then you may be, you know, on the same day, it could be the very opposite. Sometimes all your tragedies can happen in the same year. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just part of the realities of doing this life. There's no two ways about it. Um, we went, uh, horseback riding the other day. Yeah, that was cool. We tried Hey, and you know what? Yeah. Okay. Y'all I've been on YouTube and hopefully in this platform as well. Y'all I have been screaming from the mountaintops about how we all have got to start supporting each other. I have made it perfectly clear. If you have an item I need, I will pay you more for it and I will gladly do it. Because I know that I'm not giving my money to some box store. I'm giving it to somebody who, let's say, made a really cool natural deodorant. Or I'm giving it to somebody, uh, wink, wink, Shelly, out there making soap that I know is going to be fantastic. That that I know with just what I know about Shelly, I guarantee that stuff is going to be off the meat rack. Yeah, they just put out a uh, chicken processing video the other day. Um they processed their first set of chickens. They used the strong bond method. Yeah. They said. The Darren, strong bond method. Darren and Hex for the homesteader. Man, I got to watch that. So I'm going to get that done. No, Darren, that was uh, Shelly. Shelly. No, Darren yeah. told me about it. Oh, I got you. Yeah, oh, Darren, Shelly texted me. Yeah, Darren told me about it. And he, t- well, he actually texted me. He says, yeah. dude, you have got to watch this video. So, uh, ha- or hacks for the homesteader and is Darren's channel. And then two old crows is Shelly's uh, channel. Right. So that's apparently where the demonstration is going on. I can't wait to check that out, man. I can't believe I got, I was up to my eyeballs, but I promise you I'll get it done. But folks back to the central point, we have got to start supporting each other. We're handing our money off to people that hate your guts. And, there are people out there. In fact, I was made aware of a new system today where it's going to be online where all of us who choose to live by our own leave or, you know, choose to follow the path of the Lord or choose to follow a path that is not the orthodoxy that we're told that we got to follow. Well, there are people out there, friends that I have that are opening up channels to make that. So right now things are in the beta test and I'm I just barely got on it, but I can't wait to check it out even more. And then as I do, I'll definitely let everybody out here know. All right. So moving on. Well, back to the the horse riding thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We found a uh, guy there. Actually, dad found the guy. He was talking to anyone and everyone at this horse riding thing, but uh, found a guy that can potentially teach a tanning class, right? And a wild, wild edible class as well. Yeah, man. It was... um, as it soon was as he fun. recovers from that concussion. Yeah, man. He keeps getting bucked off these horses out there. Yeah. But he was one of the people leading the trail ride. Um, we went out there, you know, as a family outing. From time to time, we try to do that. We try to oh, just as best we can. And honestly, every time I got to go into it kicking and scratching, but I always enjoy myself because it's, I love the work I do. So it's not, I don't ever feel, and Michelle and I were just talking about this. I never feel like I need a vacation. So it's always a, a struggle to get me to go to these things. But when I go, I'm always glad I did because I got to spend time with my family. In this case, we got to see some magnificent scenery. I mean, like yeah. something straight out of a post. That's the beauty of living in the mountains is that every single hilltop looks totally different. Yeah. And then if you wait 15 minutes, it'll change. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful, especially in the fall, man, when things start turning. But anyway, um, he was picking up the rear and, there was a girl up front. Well, it was me in the back, and I was riding this uh, Clydesdale. It was a Belgium dra- Belgium, Belgium draft Belgium. horse. Yeah, yeah. He says cross with something, but uh, that was his. Oh, okay. I thought I could have swore. I could have swore he said mine was. He said it was only three years old, but this thing was massive. Yeah, and it's my favorite kind of horse too. So they put me on the kind of horse I love. I his mean, his name was Gus. Gus. That's what I'm talking about. Like Augustus McRae. You know. Besides that drink, I think will require a little respect. And then swack. That's what I wish I'd have done to that guy at Lowe's the other day. That's from Lonesome Dove, y'all. Anyway, um, basically sitting there talking about, you know, on this trail ride, trying to get to know a little bit about this guy. Well, it turns out um, he says, and I guess we'll find out soon. He says, man, you know, he loves to teach classes on um, tanning, brain tanning. Yeah, brain tanning. He said pig brains were the best, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah he said to hang on to those pig brains. That's exactly what we're going to do. So, uh I mean, and we're going to process those pigs, so the timing couldn't have been better. And so it looks like he's going to teach a class, doing it the old ways. And 
This is the biggest hole in my game when it came to butchery. That's the one we always, I mean, we've always composted the hides, but we've never taken the time to do anything with it. So man, it's really a joy to know that now we have another way in which we can make something of use with, you know, with animals we process. So he does that also a wild edibles class. And with that, you know, it's, um, folks, the point, the point I'm trying to make here, talk to everybody. Because some of the most consequential things have happened in my life just because I made myself get out of that narrow box I found myself in. Put down that stupid phone. For real. If you find yourself, if you're one of those people that's considering this life and you're listening to this now, let's say on the city bus and you're going through the streets of Philly. First of all, get out of there. Second of all, finish the, the podcast down. and then do it next time you're on the, on yeah, the city next bus. time you're on that bus <laughs> Dad. put the phone down and talk to this person no in fact honestly if you feel this urge to talk to somebody just say hi ask them how they're doing bless them if they deserve it you know that sort of thing let's just all put these stupid things down you know when you it, it's just mind-boggling how I have had to retrain myself when I'm in a public setting. If I'm in a waiting room, let's say, I try to absolutely make sure that if I'm not talking to somebody, I pick up a magazine. Like when I was going to that chiropractor, Um, he's got a stack of magazines. They're all like three years old. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, okay, I guess the prescription or subscription ran out. Yeah. So I'm going through these old magazines, but it, you know, that was more fulfilling to me than sitting there looking on this stupid phone, which, you know, I love print anyway. All right. In the world news, son, strangesounds.org is talking about something. Um, I don't often get my news from there, but um, this is by way of Mike Adams, the health ranger. And he talked about it. And, you know, when I talk about news in this thing, y'all, we always try to focus on the kind of news that might affect you as a homesteader, as a farmer, as whatever you might be, I mean, this is information that affects every last one of us. Well, they had an article on there where they're talking about water wars on the Colorado River and how it's unfolding right now and how they were supposed to arrive at some kind of agreement. Now, consider this, because I did not, I knew a lot of them, but I didn't know seven different states absolutely count on that reservoir, the Colorado River, to survive. If they don't have it, and apparently it's going dry. Um, but Las Vegas is flooding. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Twice. Yeah. Yeah, so apparently, you know, apparently they got a ton of rain out there. I think uh, that reservoir out there that feeds Las Vegas went up a whopping two inches. Wow. Even though it's down how many feet? Yeah. So, yeah, just run the sprinklers down at the Bellagio. I'm sure, yeah, nobody's going to care. That evaporation, is, yeah, it'll just wind up right back in the river. So, Son, what we see going on right now, this is one of those things you can never expect to hear about in the mainstream prostitute media, right? Well, you can, but it'll just be chalked up to global warming or whatever new term they're using now, climate change. Yeah, whatever whatever the case may be. But have you noticed in all this, there is no call to action? Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. Um, gee. Well, no, there is. It's just carbon taxes and switching over to electric vehicles and all this stuff. And like I asked your mom when she was at Kate, when she was going, uh, getting her degree at, uh, university of Kansas, I was asking her, how does this stupid carbon credit offset work? And nobody could ever give me a solid answer on any of that stuff. To this day, I have no idea what that is even supposed to mean. Like mom's shirt right now, you are the carbon they're trying to reduce. Bam. Bam. Thank <laughs> if they you. were actually worried about sequestering carbon, they would increase the amount of cows that they have grazing. They would hire someone like Jeff Lawton to actually fix the problem. And I mean, there, there's a ton of solutions that they don't really care about because they can't make money off of. Yeah. The they, they, yeah. The they out there. Yeah. At the end of the day, when you get down to all of this, when you really stop to think about it, there are solutions. I mean, yeah, there's deserts all over. Like the comedian Sam Kinison used to say years ago about, I remember he was talking about Ethiopians. He's like, yeah, we got deserts in America, but nobody lives in them. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, the it, well, stop world hunger skit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure what it was, but the point being is, well, first of all, if you choose to live in the desert, there's always a way to extract moisture some way or another. Jeff Lawton and a number of others, even William here has proven this in, in the high desert. But the point being, is there are solutions and we've provided some, we talked about that swale workshop 
Um, we're going to have a video here before too long. Um, you have swales, you have ponds, you have these micro ponds that I did with the pigs the other day. There are absolute solutions out there that you can apply. And I don't care what the laws are, man. If they're telling you don't catch rainwater off your roof, does that seem like a just law to you, son? Nope. Not at all. I mean, I just can't imagine that. Well, they'd, I, they'd just have to catch me, I guess. Yeah. There's ways around this stuff, y'all. So, you know, just like, oh, you can't have roosters in this neighborhood. Well, like William came up a while ago. What do your roosters identify as? Whatever you want. But there was actually somebody who commented, um, my uh, my rabbits identify as transtestical polar bears, and they want to know. <laughs> well, they want to know if they can sell that rabbit fur as a uh, polar bear pelts. <laughs> Dude, that is awesome, man! So they can sell it as like no, no, change it around to an endangered species, like Dave Chappelle <laughs> was talking polar about. Polar bears are <laughs> Not like no, man. I got red panda on the inside of my jacket. I got I got Hulk Hogan struck it out or choked it out on my birthday. So <laughs> this pelt identifies as polar bear. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. So, folks, think about all those solutions out there where you can capture this water and use it. I, and maybe you ought to reconsider whether or not the law is saying you can't or just or unjust. All right, here we go, back again. Okay, topic, and I guess we should have probably covered this from the very beginning. We're going to talk about women on the homestead. Better still, we're going to talk about women's safety, and we might even provide a few examples in all this. And, honey, I didn't pick that music. I did not pick that Kemo music coming in there. That was all on your son. I didn't pick that. He picked it last week. Y'all remember. Look, I didn't pick it. There's there's worse worse bands that you've picked before. So so Keb Mo is Keb Mo is okay. There's some bands you pick, Earth, Wind and Fire. Oh, get out I of town. What? I don't want to hear again. Oh, please. Okay. Next next guest. <laughs> you just got kicked off. Bam, you're out. <laughs> I'm picking the music. No, next no. We ain't having no Cindy Lauper up in here. No, my goodness. She'd be picking eighties hair bands and Cindy no, Lauper and all this kind of so. stuff. No. No. So um Okay, so this is a big deal because this is your first time ever. It took it it we had to pull teeth to get you into a YouTube video and it was difficult to get you in this podcast or I'm sorry, Pimpcast Studio. The studio that that used to be Kendra's in my office that we got shoved into the corner oh, please. to try to do the orders and the podcast studio is huge. Honey, I Kendra. think you you got to speak up a little bit. You got to get closer to that microphone. Okay. I'll yeah, and you got to talk more into it than around it, honey. Okay. Is that is that working better, son? All right, there we go. All right, so we're going to get back. We're going to get to it. Um I just want to ask you right off the bat. I mean, you've been at farming for a long, long time. You've been a woman all your life. <laughs> My whole life. <laughs> so this wasn't a transitory thing. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Um, you know, what's it like? I'm going to ask you probably the most consequential question right out of the gate. What's it like sleeping with a permaculture pimp daddy? <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> no, you did Yes, I did. I knew. I knew it was you got, coming. <laughs> okay, I'll get down to it. Look, there's a whole lot of things. I've, I've complained, and ladies, please don't take this the wrong way. Um, every time I'm leaving a store, let's say I have to be tortured going to Walmart or some of the grocery stores, I'm noticing, by and large, that a lot of the ladies really don't have any uh, spatial awareness. They're either messing around. If they're young ladies, they're messing around on their phones, pushing a cart. Or if they're older, they're kind of pushing the cart, and they're not really cognizant of the things going on around them. Now, folks, this is going to make sense on the homestead because it all ties together. Because guess what? Your significant other won't be coming home to that homestead if they're out slipping. And people are getting bapped over the head here and there for the groceries, and sometimes a lot worse when it comes to women. So you've had some experiences back when we lived in, well, you've had a number of them back in the army all the way back there. We'll get to that one in a minute, but let's talk about leaving 
what used to happen on a regular basis when we lived in um, near New Boston, Texas? In, yeah, in Texas, I I hated going to Walmart because almost every time there was going to be some creepy guy following me around in Walmart in a wheelchair making comments. Or there was one time, which that's, I mean, that's a, that's I'm not exactly worried about him as an assailant. No, that's just irritating. But like there was a situation where I was leaving Walmart. I had my cart full of groceries and I go to the truck and I'm putting groceries in the truck. And this guy comes out of nowhere. I know he was, he did not follow me out of the store because I was the only one leaving the store. So he was just in the vehicle next to me. I'm putting my groceries in the truck and he's acting like he knows me. He's like, hey, hey, how are you? Don't you remember me? You know who I am. Don't you remember? And he kept going on and I'm like, no, I don't know you. And then he kept getting closer. And I, at first I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't know you. Go away. But then he just kept insisting and the whole time he kept insisting he's just getting closer and closer so i'm just at that point i'm just trying to keep the cart in between me and him and i finally get to the point where i have to get a little nasty with him i'm like no i don't know you and he i think he eventually realized i wasn't going to play that game and he ended up leaving but I think he was just sitting there waiting because, like I said, he he didn't come out of Walmart because I was the only one that left the exit. See, and the crazy part about that is it wasn't long before that we had moved to that area. There was a, a girl who got abducted at the Walmart near where we lived in Kansas City. Um, it was actually in Bonner Springs. And I still remember it like yesterday. She was a young girl. Apparently, you know, dad taught her kung fu or whatever the case may be. There she was, walking out of the store, holding her keys, messing with her phone. Didn't really have much but a little bag, as I recall. The dude waited for her to get in her car, and the camera showed him, because she had zero spatial awareness, the camera showed him shoving her into the car and then driving away in her car. Well, they ended up finding that girl uh, raped and dead, and as as I recall, the guy that did it, he was a young guy himself in his 20s. Um, raped that poor girl, murdered her, left her by the lake. And of course, I guess her cell phone basically got her caught. And I mean, how, how tragic is that? How many times has that happened? And it was like, I heard this cop say before that, you know, 90% of the things like that. No, no. What did he say? 99%. It was a female cop. They said 99% of those things are a hundred percent avoidable. If you just provide a little bit. So that if this can happen in small town, Texas, if this could happen in small town, Kansas, man, I mean, we had some other experiences also in Kansas. Why don't you tell them about that one too? You were at that park. Remember? Yeah, I w- it was at a park. It was kind of a park, uh, just not too far from my house, which was in a rural type setting. It wasn't really. Yeah. We lived right city. on the edge. It was a mile from, Oh, like a, like almost like a, it, it was, it was a rural setting You're where we right, lived, right. but it was very in close proximity to a, a, a pretty good sized park. Right. And it was the dead of winter. And I was doing, I had a, a heavy ruck on because I was doing some training and I also had boots on, which I'll explain, but, um, this guy drove up in this car and said something about, hey, have you seen my dog? And I was like, no, I've not seen a dog. And I just kept, I just kept going. I was training. Well, and, you also had William with you. And right. he was little. Yeah. And then he kept following us. I wasn't that little. I had a machete on me. <laughs> in the park? Yeah. You two were the only ones in probably a 50-acre park. That whole park, and I'll get to that part in a minute, but go ahead. Right. So once I realized this guy, first of all, he's in a vehicle. He's following me. I have this heavy pack on and boots. So, I mean, obviously I could have dropped 
I, I could have dropped the ruck and ran, but then it was like, there's nowhere to, there's no place to run to. It's like, we were just sitting ducks in the middle of this park. There is nothing I can do against a man in a vehicle. I, I mean, as a woman, I don't care except for some of the, the, as Billy calls them, marchies in Asheville. (laughs) (laughs) There is not much I can do against most men. I I mean, you know, just, I'm not talking about with a handgun. I'm talking about just, from a physical standpoint. Right, you're right. But you did just confess that you could beat up about 95% (laughs) of the men in Asheville, right? So, okay, first of all, I am definitely rubbing off on you. (laughs) Some would argue whether or not that is a good or a bad way. I just, I'm I'm more flummoxed by what you said than the story. But here's how this story went up, uh, unfolded, and we'll move on to another one. Um, Yeah, you've got to be all messed up, honey, with the little marching joke. So what my point was, like, you're just, I felt like, a sitting duck is is my point like there was nothing i can do against a guy and then a guy in a car and i I, you know she called me she called me and i jumped in that dodge and it was kind of snowy outside and i drove all the way down to that park which it was only as a crow flies it might have been a mile but it felt like an eternity when she calls me up frantic and scared and the two people people i love most in this world she said, there's this guy out here. He's blah, 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 blah. I get up there and I see what the car is. There ain't but one car. This car, I mean, this is a huge park over there. And I pull up and I pull up alongside of him. And it's this dude in there. And he looks straight out of central casting. I'm, I'm dead serious for somebody you would think would be a pedophile. Well, I got his license plate number before there, before that. And he also had this little white dog. It was cute. It was like what some, what I later found out was what some people call a pedophile dog that they use this dog to snatch up kids. Well, long story short, I pull up alongside this guy. He pulls out a gun and I ain't got nothing on me. Y'all. I mean, absolutely nothing. And you talk about her feeling naked. Now I'm like, the only thing I can do, and this is all happening quickly, very quickly and I'm thinking I can take this big old 2,500 diesel and run his butt down in that ditch or I'll back off and get his license plate. And that's what I did. Well, Michelle calls the cops and everything. I told her to call the cops. They show up and basically they can't do anything because, quote, a crime wasn't committed. But I did get this guy's license plate. And um, I know people, honey. <laughs> I know people. So anyway, I got this guy's, uh, I found out who he was. And sure enough, sure enough, he lived in a rural part of Kansas, which, by the way, was at least an hour and a half away from that park. And he had just gotten out of the jail over pedophilia. He had, he had raped a child. And here he was up here, a hundred, you know, I forget how far away, but he was quite a ways away from where he had lived. And um, anyhow, that story ends happily. I won't go into that, but long story short, um, He's probably thinking long and hard about whether or not he ever wants to do something like that again. But anyway, that dude was a straight, this ain't guessing. He was a straight up predator. And then also, um, you know, some of your experience, I mean, you don't have to go into any detail. I mean, nothing physically happened, but let's talk about briefly what happened when you were in, um, when you were in Iraq. Well, the, just attention, the, the, the environment, the, yeah, it's just, if you're a female soldier, you just, um, you, you can, you never go anywhere when you're deployed. You just don't go anywhere without somebody. Um, which is a sad, you know, you don't think about it at the time. It's just a normal situation, but you know, when, now when I think about stuff like that, I just, it's just angers me because it's like, you're supposed to be there with these people that, you shouldn't have that are on, you know, the same team, but they're also predatory. And people have this notion that soldiers have this moral code and they do in some areas, but they also don't in other areas. Well, It's not so, all soldiers. It's some of these guys that are just complete dirt bags. Right. Everybody seems to think 
they have this hero worship over soldiers. And I've met many a dirtbag. In fact, when I was in there, um, I remember being at the 307th Engineer Battalion at Fort Bragg. And um, for a while there, man, you know how soldiers are on the weekend, man. They go out drinking and carrying on. Well, I'll tell you what sobered everybody up for a solid month was when there was some assailant that he, they, they called him the ether bunny, like ether. Apparently some dude comes stumbling in, he'd chloroform him. Next thing you know, they woke up, you know, I don't even want to go into how that happened, but anyhow, for the longest time, nobody could figure out how it was. Well, I'm telling you what, everybody sobered up until they found that dude. There was <laughs> nobody. nobody stumbling back to that barracks. They're like, yeah, dude, the ether buddy's going to get you. He got, he got one of my homeboys. Um, and they found out who he was. And it turned out it was a Sergeant first class. He was a Ranger muscled up. I still remember his name. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't do to say here, but back in those days, Man, they didn't even do anything. All they did was transfer him to another unit. Well, those days, depending on who it is, they still just transfer you to another unit. I mean, the Ether Bunny chloroformed probably four or five dudes, man. I was like, oh, no, man. Uh-uh. I don't know what you boys are doing this weekend, but I'm staying in that room, Jack. They ain't getting me. Yeah, so they, they got him. I don't remember how they got him, but yeah. So in those three examples that we can provide also, and there, there was an example... Folks, we're weaving the tapestry here because it's important. What good is any of the stuff we're trying to do in permaculture or any of this if any of your significant others don't come back home or they come back in pieces or they come back broken or they come back having to heal because they endured tragedy? I can't imagine what must go through the mind of somebody to, to do some of the ghastly things that I've heard and then only to find out, like a, another guy named Adam, I went to college with him. Um, his mom and his sister were in this apartment that he was in. And, um, you know, man, you talk about awful. Well, the hinges were on the wrong side of the doggone door. And they had some kind of security. His dad had put some kind of security apparatus in there that kept that from happening. But they had to, every time somebody left, they had to make sure that the door was locked. Well... Um, one of them, I can't remember who left. It was one of the family members left and they didn't lock the door. Well, sure enough, some assailant gets in there and I don't even want to talk about what happened to his mom and his sister. So it's just wicked cruelty beyond imagining. And it could have been preventable. But also there's times when I was a kid on two different occasions, we almost got abducted. I mean... Good night. We were at Lake Hefner fishing with my dad and my brother. It was me and my younger brother, Lance. We were out there fishing in like this little peninsula area. Lance and I, you know, we wanted to, well, my dad would take us fishing out there. We never caught anything unless it was a carp or something in the morning. uh, Because we always had to fish from the bank. And uh, believe me, my old man wasn't spending money on anything. He had Michelle's over there laughing. So anyhow, fishing poles, we had, that was a one-time pur- purchase. You better go out there and dig some worms. So that's just how it was. Well, what, um, me and my younger brother Lance are on one side, and um, my dad and my oldest brother are on the other side. They're fishing. These guys, it was a white guy and a black guy, pull up in a van, white van. Only windows were in the front. They pull up alongside, and we were always taught, don't ever talk to strangers. Well, my dad... And my oldest brother were on the other side of that peninsula. And it was a pretty good stretch away. And these guys came up there looking around. They seemed shady, even as a, um, man, I would say we had to be about 12 years old then. They looked shady from the very beginning. I mean, absolutely shady. They come up and they start, oh, is the fishing good? And then they start easing up closer and closer. And we get closer to the water. And then closer to the water. Now we're getting to the point where these guys are infringing upon our space to the point where, I know there's danger, and I'm like, my only option is to run in this water and take my little brother with me. Well, sure enough, these guys apparently eyed my dad and my brother who were trucking around that peninsula. I mean, they were running as fast as they could. These guys immediately bolted back to that van, jumped in there, and spun out out like it was a Dukes of Hazzard. So had my dad and my brother not been there, I, I I don't even want to start thinking about where that would have ended up. And then there was another case, too, where I was walking to Circle K with my brother once again because my old man, given his background, man, there wasn't 
Trust me, it was a buddy system everywhere, even when you thought it was safe. And you had to be in before dark, even though all the other kids were out there running around. Um, we were going up to Circle K to go get a loaf of bread and I think a pack of cigarettes or something for him. And um, we're on the way. We've just gotten out of this apartment complex where we lived in South Oklahoma City. As we're walking up to the Circle K on 74th Street, sure enough, this dude comes up, screeches his tar, stops, yells, get in the blanking car. And we're like, what? We're looking at, now it's not a long walk, but sure enough, it's dark out. And he's like, get in the car right now. He pulled up something out to this day. I don't know what it was. It was too dark to figure out what it was. Well, like a complete dummy. Me and him started booking to Circle K. We didn't even turn back around and go to the house. A couple of dummies. Anyhow, we run up to the Circle K. And then I guess, you know, I, I didn't even look back to see what happened to him. All I know is he wasn't there. We told him, we told the owner what happened, not the owner, but the, the clerk there, what happened. And so we were just waiting for the street lamps used to flicker. It was like they were on a timer. So we waited until the light was there, man. We ran as fast as we could all the way home. And it, look y'all, this is the first segment of what we're talking about. And we're going to have to probably do this in multiple segments, honey. But the point being is. I mean, if there were that many, pre- I'm 50, almost 51 years old. If there were that many predators running around when I was a kid and we used to be gone all day, not eat lunch, come back at dinner, uh, swimming all day, you know, and everybody was fine. If, if, if those dangers existed then. Yeah, those days are over. I would, if, if, if I had young kids, they wouldn't go. They would. Yeah. It, there's no way I would let them do that. No, I'd even take them out of the school, man. All these yeah. fruitcake teachers. There's some good ones out there. I know some of them write to me, but there's also some nut jobs out there too. Um, you know, doing unthinkable things and, you know, brainwashing these kids. But in your case, um, after that one incident in Kansas, the very next day, what did I do? Yep. Went out and got some handguns, went out and got some massive handguns yeah. <laughs> got handguns nonetheless <laughs> no it was massive for you that glock 19 I, I asked my brother who's a competition shooter um my second oldest brother i, I said hey man I, I told him what happened and uh he put me on with this other guy that he knew he was like tackleberry from police academy he was a complete he was a tool but anyway ended up talking i said look man i need something michelle can carry around too and uh, this is before we actually got our concealed carry. And, um, you know, as a soldier, you're not taught how to shoot handguns. No, it's, it's rifles. I, I had to learn how to, I didn't get any real training with it, but I had to do, I had to qualify on the handgun range because I carried an M60 at the time. So that was the full extent. Now, a rifle was another thing, which is still the we- my, my favorite weapon. A rifle was a, another thing entirely. So I was completely comfortable with that, but, we had rifles. I just never even thought about getting right, a handgun. Right, but you can't. It's not like you can go. It's not like you can go run with a rifle. Yeah, you know, you got to have something. You got to have something that. And and the handgun that I have now, you I can run. I do run with it. That's a Glock forty two. Right. So it's small. I have the right holster for it, and I can run with it. The Glock. I think the Glock nineteen is what you. Yeah. Yeah. Got that's what I got. Which is. Yeah, I'm asking my brother. I'm like, hey, man, I need one that she can carry. And I'm like, what? Dude, I went and bought this. I got back, and I'm like, okay, she always wanted that Walker Dragoon <laughs> from that one movie and so she could pull it out and go blast. And more as a joke than anything, but um, we needed something more concealable. So, you know, we still have all those. And um, so right now, you know, in light of everything going on, you stay armed. I mean, like like our friends Danny at Deep South, even on our own homestead, it's always wise to be armed. You because, never know what's going to pop up out of these woods. Yeah, and if you're thinking, oh, well, I don't leave my homestead that often, like me, or I don't leave my homestead that often and without my husband, even like in te- when we lived in Texas, honestly... The the dogs were the big were a a, a big oh, problem. Oh yeah. Um we had our neighbors had this huge pit bull which I don't have anything against pit bulls. I'm not saying that that was the issue, but I'm saying you uh you're you, there's not much of a fight that I can put up against 
a, a pit bull. I mean, the strength. And there was one time our property was fenced and William had to go outside the fence one time. And this dog was aggressive. It just got continually more aggressive, I think, because it was just, it was chained up most of the time. And then sometimes when it was off the chain, it just, it was just an aggressive dog. And William had to go outside of the fence one time and that dog was off the leash and it came at William and he handled the situation. But there was a moment where I was thinking I was going to have to shoot the dog, which. Right. Well, it ended up happening anyway, because later I, on that same dog, these folks were walking down this old dirt road we lived off of. And um, that dog come out of the woodwork, went up there, mangled this little uh, poodle they had. I mean, killed it. And right there on the leash, man, went up there, murdered that dog right there on the spot. Well, the owners came down. It looked like it was going to be, you know, a gunfight at the OK Corral. And down there, man, it's, I mean, you get a redneck eviction notice, you may come home to a foundation. So the boys in this area, in the part of the woods we lived, man, they didn't play. Well, they come down here, and uh, next thing you know, you hear a giant boom, and that dog is dead. And it, and honestly, they had it coming. It, it's it's a shame because they sure had money for a new car, but they couldn't put up fencing or get an adequate way to keep that dog in. I mean, that was just one of the things. But So whether it's handgun safety for these feral dogs, which in places like Texas, man, these people, some of these people will drop those dogs off. And for anybody that lives rurally, you know that's the case. They'll take these dogs they can't control, and instead of being responsible – um, they're going to make it my problem. So it wasn't uncommon for people to just come out there and drop these crazy dogs off in the, in the boonies. Now they're hungry. The whole nine yards, all this stuff is going and these poor animals are getting messed up. Yeah. How many chickens do we lose to feral dogs? Oh my goodness. I forgot about that. We, um, you know, and then we had to wind up shooting them dogs too. I mean, and now that burns me up too, because here it is that dog got in there in that, I still to this day don't know how it got in that chicken tractor. It was a Salatin style chicken tractor. Got through that thing. Somehow it was two of them. Two of them got in there, killed all but three. And part of that was the stupidity of putting chickens in zone five, you know. So, yeah, that sort of thing's going to happen. So, you're, there's your permaculture lesson of the day, y'all. Don't put your chickens out there. But the point being, you have got to be cognizant of all the things around you, even on your own homestead, because even in Texas, there were periods of time when I was gone months at a time. William was gone too. And before we had that face, that place fenced in, some clown could have just stopped up there. One time you found some folks just walking through the fence one time. Oh, it was the, it was the county. The county The county just came and it was fenced. And I was out in the woods doing some clearing and I, and I even had one of our dogs, Chloe out with me, which Chloe is a extremely protective dog. How they did not get tore up by her, I, I don't know. But I walk up towards the front and they're just they just came through the fence. It's a gate. We had a we have a gate on that property. Right. Yeah. So they had to literally unlatch it, walk through there, and you just show up on my property, man, out of oh. And then I hear about it course i at that time i was working two and a half hours away from the house and i'd be out there sometimes a month month and a half at a time before i ever made it home so it's things like that where we along the way we had to make some looking back at it man they were just awful compromises there was a stretch where i didn't see you or Willie or see you for seven months and uh that's a whole nother story unto itself man that's probably a podcast unto itself you know out there trying to make this money we were in a bad circumstances back in those days i mean it was just it was awful in so many different ways, but point being. Yeah, the point is, is that, you know, you can't, always, women have to take this responsibility and go get the training because you can't just buy a gun. You have to have the training because if you don't know how to use it, that, that could get you killed. You can't be in a situation where you have a gun and if, if you have a gun and I mean, you have to know how to use it or else, you know, somebody might use it on you. Situational awareness all the way around. That's the one thing, ladies. I'm, I plead with you. I implore you. Pay attention. Put down that stupid phone. Look out for these idiots in the, in the parking lot 
because I've just heard another thing. Look, all this stuff on the homestead means absolutely nothing if you don't get home. We're going to have future interviews with the homestead, honey. And, uh, honey, you did a fantastic job. When we come back, we're going to get to your Q&A, y'all. All right, y'all. So, um, wow, there's the homestead honey. She, uh, she, she did a really good job for being so doggone nervous to begin with. Yeah, and if you heard her say thank you on the way out of this chair, it's because for some reason she thinks when she walks away from the mic, it just stops working. <laughs> so you heard some behind the scenes there. Well, we're gonna get we're gonna do more segments with her in the future. Um, maybe she could answer a lot of the questions we get from the ladies that come in. Um, they ask, they ask a lot of questions and honestly, anything permaculture related folks, what I know she doesn't say a whole lot, but she's honestly the brains behind a lot of what we do around here. And I'm trying, I am trying to get her to take a, a center role to that. So anyway, uh, first one right out of the gates. Uh, this one here is a question about crows. Um, hang on. Let me did. I know we're going to hit that. No, no. Let me back up. Go ahead and do yours first, son. Okay. Um, question for y'all. I have a restaurant ready to divert food waste, but have the requirement to fill a sealable 50 gallon drum. I'm not sure how I would deal with lifting this into my van. One option would be to scoop it into smaller Rubbermaid totes. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the next episode. Dylan from Steady Presence and Steady Presence also has a YouTube channel. Now, how did he submit this question? He submitted it through Fountain. I don't know if you have to I'm still trying to figure out Fountain. He left a uh, like 570 sats. It was like a boost, and he left a question with it. So I, I don't know if that puts you at the top of the list or what. I, I'm still trying to figure out Fountain, but he left it through the Fountain app. Well, cool, folks. Yeah, tip a pimp. All right, regarding <laughs> his uh, question, the 55-gallon drum. Right. Um, he doesn't know if he should. I, I, the issue, I mean, would be putting that 50-gallon drum in it. Right. He's doing what I do. Honestly, there are times when I go after this stuff, I got to break it down. You can either put it in five gallon buckets or you can use these heavy duty um, black trash bags, uh, hefties. I'm talking like the real thick gauge type. Um, And those are usually pretty watertight, too, because some of this stuff might have a little uh, liquid or something like that in it. So that's typically what I do. I mean, there's a lot of times I get stuff that I can't possibly lift, so i got to break it down, and I never go anywhere without rubber gloves. What you could do, since you're not having to pull it out of trash bags or anything like that, you could just bring the buckets with you and a scale a with sc- you. Or a scoop. And a scoop, yeah. Bring some buckets with you, a scale, and some scoops, and then just do your thing there that's and get exactly, it ready for the week. That's exactly how I go about it a lot of times. I mean, there are times where I'm not getting any younger, and I'm lifting some heavy, heavy stuff. And, I, and it, for me, it's a labor of love knowing that I'm able to feed these animals. But hey, man, I got to give you mad props for going out there, setting up a deal to make that happen. Yeah, that's that's awesome, especially if they put it in a tub for you. That's really cool, too. Um, Canadian Farmstead, he actually commented one of our concerns about using silage tarps. He said, I use silage tarps and always find great fungal and earthworm action when I remove it, much less weed pressure after. The only my concern would be doing that in Texas. It's one thing if you're in Canada, you're not dealing with the Texas sun and stuff like that. I, I don't know. Fundamentally, I'm. It just I haven't examined it from a microbial standpoint, and I don't know that anybody has. If they have it, I, I don't know about it. For me, it just it isn't the way nature does it. So I tend not to do that. So our option is, if that's the case, if I want to grow something out there, I'll just sheet mulch over it. Yeah, you could, but the silage tarp would be handy if it if it does work. It would be handy um, for people who can't get like on their hands and knees and you know put down cardboard, put down compost, put down. It's definitely a method, or if you're doing on a very large scale as well. We'll call it a method. Yeah, we'll call it a method. So there's look. I'm not saying anything's wrong or right, y'all. It's all comes down to methods and what you choose. Okay, this one here about crows. Let's see here. He gives me, I'll get right down to it because we're running out of time. He says, quest, uh, question directly. 
How do you use crows for the chicken's defense while keeping them at distance so that bird diseases are introduced into your chickens? All right, well, that depends on whether or not you're buying what they're talking concerning bird diseases. If our birds are going to die from a disease, then I'd rather them go ahead and do it instead of having to babysit them through that disease. I mean, we give them the best life possible. We give them the best opportunities to be healthy. Well, I really, really believe, you know, in terms of those crows and what they do for us, look, this is one of the additional beauties of chicken tractor on steroids is that we put all those food scraps out of there. Well, what does a crow do? A crow will go after food scraps. So we court them probably to the chagrin of the people that grow corn around here. Right. But they're probably, yeah, well, I, I don't think he has any going right now, but yeah, he does. He's got sorghum and corn going. Oh yeah, he does actually. Um, if here's how we attract them, we put enough down there to not only feed the birds that we're raising, but also we're giving back to nature to a certain extent. We allow them. I'm not trying but trust me, you want to be careful because crows remember everything. So you want to make absolutely sure that when you bring in those crows, they will actually be your best defense for aerial predators. And now we just, I just started seeing them come back, maybe because we got this chicken tractor on steroids going. Well, the birds of prey don't want anything in that chicken environment except for the chicken itself. But the crows, it's like this beautiful symbiosis, this mutualistic relationship they have where the crows share the food. There's not too many crows, and I put plenty of food out there for them. So, yeah. And I they mean, keep hawks away. I mean, the crows aren't necessarily bad. And we don't have any issue. They don't mess with our gardens. No. It's a lot easier to get that yeah. food out of the out of the compost bin. Yeah, so it, we're providing a place for nature. So it is a beautiful system. Frankly, I just haven't talked about that enough in this system. Hopefully, I'll get around to doing that. You have another question on the uh, fountain app? The, there's a couple of comments that I'm seeing. I'm not, I'm going through them as as we're doing this podcast, y'all. Um, I'm seeing a couple comments. Pimp, pimp, hooray! <laughs> um, uh, okay, so Checkpoint Jeff, I love y'all. I have the same Ford truck, and my dog's name is Chloe. Cheers from Al- Alberta, Canada. Um, user Ace Yan, he left some uh, verses for us. Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back in fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons whom we cry, Abba, Father. And uh, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, one through one, chapter 1, verse 7, for God gave us a spirit of not fear, not of fear, but of power and love and, and self-control. Well, okay. This is the ESV version. All right. Well, thank you so much for those comments, y'all. We we truly appreciate them. And if you got any questions, you know how to submit them. We got this one from Derek, man. He's from uh he's from Oklahoma where I grew up. He's raised in Noble. Um it's it's quite a long email, so I can't get through all of it. But lastly, he writes here, lastly, and your mom's going to jump out of the seat when she sees this question. And it's, it's just unbelievable that she's in here. So you might want to belly up to the mic, honey. I'm sure you got something to say about this. And it doesn't even have anything to do with permaculture. He says, lastly, my unsolicited show suggestion. Being that you're an Oklahoman and a critical thinker, you've undoubtedly familiar with the name Terrence Yakey. Last year around um, April 19th or so, you should go do a segment highlighting his story. Far too few are aware of the state of... Yeah, I can't repeat some of that what's going on, but... Michelle, do you recognize, do you remember the name Terrence Yakey? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would encourage anybody to every, I mean everybody, I would encourage everybody to go uh, investigate him, his story, what happened to him. It's, it is a crime. Are there links we can leave down below? Uh, yes, I, I believe there is. I'll, um. I'll pull some up because it, it is what happened to him is just, it's unbelievable. You, it's, you start to see how this is whole, this whole system, even back, you know, the Oklahoma city bombing. Cause that's who the, he's tied into. It's just, it, you're told you're just lied to from day one. It's all lies. Well, there she goes. Bam. There goes mom with the black pill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, you know, so what's the solution to the Thomas? Well, the thing with the thing, he brought it up and it's funny. Your mom's in this room because she's read the book from the lawyer from McVeigh as did I. And then also there's a good documentary called a noble lie. And the reason why this is especially timely to me is that there are some right now in the alternative news space 
that are suspecting that the very same thing might unfold if you in these times. And the reasons why is why, you know, I'm Derek, I'm I'm just floored by your question because um if you look at what happened then, that unfolded and all of a sudden the spotlight was put on all the people on the right. Now, I'm not a left-right guy. I don't I don't subscribe to either political party. Uh they're all polecats in my view. But what had happened after that, all of a sudden, all these patriots, all these militias, all these people that get together and do whatever were all of a sudden demonized. And then you find out people like Terrence Yakey, an absolute hero of the day of the Oklahoma City bombing. And you find out what happened to this poor man. And he he, he seemed to be, by all reports, I mean, he seemed to be an astonishing guy. But uh, yeah, look and check out that name, Terrence Yakey, and see what you find out. Um. So I did just see a comment in the in the a fountain app uh, talking about clips. Um, if somebody wants to start making, I mean, clips of our episode, I mean, feel free. Oh, I mean, I think yourself. you, Ow. yeah, I think you keep the money, right? I don't I think know. If like you make YouTube the clips, clips? No, 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 yeah. If somebody wanted to do YouTube clips as well, uh, they're like, okay, so Joe Rogan, JRE clips, he does not own. That is not his stuff. That's somebody else. Who goes through Joe Rogan's videos? Hold on, I take it back. Let's we'll put these <laughs> clips out there, man. No, no, no. Here's what I'm saying. So if somebody wants to, if somebody wants to start making clips, that's fine with me. Um, use whatever you know for footage and recording whatever you want to use because it's just, I mean, furthering our name. Well, really. I don't. I, I definitely don't have a problem with it. You know, no. anything we're saying here, y'all, we're putting it out there for the benefit of anybody that might find value in it. So knock yourself out. Uh, we got one last one here, son. Um, Heidi, uh, Billy, I'm a fairly new subscriber to your channel, but I love your content. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to start a food forest at home as well as pitching one to my church. We have already had an organic raised bed and donated our harvest to a local mission. I was going to have you maybe offer some suggestions about spe- uh, species to include and for introducing the idea to my church. We're in Virginia Beach, Zone 8B. Yeah, if you're going to be donating to a mission, donate meat if you can. Well, donate I mean, that's anything. something that I mean, yeah, yeah. If you're going to be raising food, if you're going to be raising food specifically for a mission, try to donate meat if you can, because that's something that they're never getting. Well, there's also a bottom part to this. Um, would would uh, bone sauce repel other mammals? Well, uh, the the honest truth is, we know that it works on deer. We know it seems that it works quite well on rabbits, according to your mom. And um, there's been a number. We had my a mom, pr- y'all. Yeah, my yeah. Mom. <laughs> according to your mama. Um, so there are a number of people that have used it on other things, and they've sworn it works. I know for sure it doesn't work on raccoons and dogs, but yeah. you don't have dogs, you know, basically chewing up your, the, you know, the branches on your fruit tree most times. But there have been a number of other people that told us it works on squirrels, it works on some rodents. I can't, I can't endorse that because I don't know. I mean, I haven't done it personally, but others have told me that. But if it works on that, I don't know. But I want to hit back to your question regarding your church. Um, in the church that we went to not long ago, I pitched the same idea to the pastor. And I went to him with my hat in my hand saying, hey, man, hard times are coming. Um, and his response was really shocking to me. He had zero desire yeah part of the reason why i was ready to get out of that church anyway there was a number of things going on that i wasn't a big fan of um certain things that i thought were just disrespectful that were happening from the pulpit i mean just things that were unnecessary but point being is that i went to him personally and i said hey you got all this land out here you probably i think it was all 20 acres altogether that wasn't being used yeah and he said i told him i said hey here's what i could do for you you know, we got hard times coming, man. The parishioners, all these folks probably ain't prepared or whatever the case may be. And he told, he, he gave me some lip service, which really irked me. Like, yeah, we'll talk about it later. I'll tell you what, let's schedule an appointment and we'll talk. Now, I think this happened twice. And two times a charm was not a charm for me anyway. And um, it didn't work out well. So, But can plan a man camping trip at a drop of a dime. Yeah. Surprised with somebody with chicken processing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, also they had no problem planning an outing where we yeah. donated the pig and wound up feeding a bunch of millionaires. Um, yeah. Literally. Yeah. Literally, when we could have donated that pig and, you know, did something worthwhile with it. So there was a couple of things going on with this church that just 
you know, and complained about the size of the pig. Yeah. But yeah. The, the bigger point is what I would try to do, having dealt with, you know, churches in the past, I even tried to do something at that uh, church in Texas. Right. Having dealt with the church in the past, I would ask them if there's a per, like a section of land that you can just completely control and grow food on. Say that and then surprise them with some chickens. Yeah. Can't really just get rid of chickens overnight. <laughs> <laughs> well, just say I want to make a little farm over there. Right. You ain't got to tell them what's on it. Just but, say you uh, want to grow food, raise food. Yeah, just tell them it's food. Yeah, yeah, you could tell them that. But you know what? I can give you advice on how to pitch a restaurant to get their uh, scrap food. I can give you advice on how to do a great many things. But honestly, the one thing I've been woefully unsuccessful at is getting a church um, to recognize the value of using all this church land to grow food. So I wish I had a better answer for you because honestly, that is one of the areas I have zero success in. Yeah. Um, I've tried and it, it didn't work. I mean, nobody, it's, it seems like the Christians are the least awake to what's going on. Sadly, it does seem that way. It, and we're, we're told beforehand. Yeah. It's supposed to happen. Yeah. It's supposed to get bad. Right. <laughs> right. But many of the, many of the Darbyites out there, man, they're going to believe that, you know, many of them subscribe to escapism. Um, as I understand it, you should occupy until he comes. So if you're going to do that, then maybe, maybe just try to survive. I mean, look around you for crying out loud. I know that I don't need to convince you, John, the, the point being, is like William said, some of the hardest people to convince about some of these things that ought to be obvious are so-called, I know people aren't crazy about the world, but word, but I don't know what else fits, but evangelicals seem to be the ones that are deeply implanted into this matrix or subscribe to a theory of escapism that may shock you if it doesn't pan out the way it's supposed to, or the way you think it's going to, it's supposed to look when you get down to brass tacks, y'all, you got to stay alert Stay alive, y'all. We'll see you next time on the next Pimpcast. And tip a pimp.